Hey friends, welcome to Girls' Night. I'm Stephanie Mae Wilson, and I am so happy that you're here. Each week, I have a girlfriend over, and we talk through one of the biggest questions we have about our lives as women. We're talking about friendships and faith and relationships and self-confidence, about our calling in life and how to live every bit of our lives to the absolute full. Life is so much better and easier and absolutely more fun when we navigate it together as girlfriends, and I cannot wait to get started. So today on the show, we're doing something a little bit different, and I am so excited about it. A few months ago, I had the honor of being interviewed by my new friend, Jennifer Spoolma, for her podcast, Feminine Foresight. I loved her, and I loved our conversation, and I loved it so much that I wanted to make sure y'all had a chance to hear it. I asked Jennifer if I could share this conversation here at Girls' Night, and she so graciously agreed, and so that's what you're going to be hearing today. As you'll hear, this conversation still totally feels like a girls' night, but it's fun because this time, I'm the one in the hot seat. Yikes. My favorite part of our conversation was when Jennifer asked me how becoming a Christian impacted my dating life. And I had to pause, think about it for a second, and then I asked her, is it okay if we talk about sex on your show? She was such a champ, and I love the conversation that followed. See, I'm telling you, total girls' night. But before we dive into the episode, there is a resource I wanted to make sure to tell you about, and it's to help answer one of the most common questions I'm asked when it comes to the topic of relationships. The question is, how do I know when I'm ready to start dating? And how do I go about figuring that out? Now, I totally get why we're asking. This is a big decision, and it's one we want to make with intentionality. We want the timing to be right, and that's why I created a resource to help. It's a free quiz called, Are You Ready to Start Dating? And in it, I will help you ask and answer the 10 questions we should all think through before we jump into a relationship. But we don't stop there. Once you're finished answering the questions, we'll jump into a complete answer key together. It'll feel like you and I are sitting down over coffee to talk through your answers as we figure out if you might want to take a little more time before jumping into the dating world or if you're ready to get out there. If you go to my Instagram, I'm at Wilson over on Instagram, and click the link in my profile, you'll be able to download a copy of the quiz for free. I cannot wait to share this with you. Okay, so with that said, let's jump into today's episode. Here is my conversation with Jennifer. Stephanie Mae Wilson, welcome to the Phone and Foresight podcast. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I'm so happy you're here. I have been following your journey since 2014. Oh my gosh. Because that's when you launched the Lipstick Gospel, right? That is when I launched. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's amazing. I didn't realize it had been so long. I actually just this morning looked back through my emails because I was trying to remember when it was and it's crazy that time goes that fast. Yeah. I would have guessed 2016. Like really, if I would have thought it. Oh, that's funny. So yeah. I looked back and I was like, whoa, 2014. Right. I know. It's funny. My um, lipstick gospel birthday is coming up <gasps> in actually like two weeks. Congratulations. So, I know. It's so fun. Oh, wow, I can't it believe, is. Yeah, it's four years. It's, I cannot believe, I really can't believe it's been that long. That's amazing. Well, we'll have to let people know what the lipstick gospel is in just a moment. Yes. Yeah. Everyone's um, like, uh, Christian, <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> right. um, so let's start. Can you give an overview? Who are you? What do you do? Where do you live? All of that good stuff. Yes. Okay. So I'm Stephanie Mae Wilson, or just Stephanie or Steph or just whatever, whatever rolls off the tongue. Um, and I live in Nashville, Tennessee. I'm a Denver native. I grew up in Denver, Colorado, but I've lived in the South for a long time now, which is just totally crazy to me. Um, I'm an author, a podcaster and a speaker. And I, uh, my thing is helping 20 and 30 something women with their most important relationships. 
So that's their relationship with God, with themselves, with their friends, with their significant others, and with their work. And this is so important to me for a couple of reasons. And one is, I know that we... We've all seen this in our lives. Like when those areas of our lives, those relationships are going well, it's like the sweetest part of life. But we've also seen that when those areas of our lives aren't healthy, when we don't feel safe and known and loved Mm -hmm. in these different relationships, that's when we feel like we have to start to hide and cover up and put on masks and be someone different. And we aren't able to show up as the versions of ourselves. We were like as the best, best of ourselves. We're not able to do the, the things that we were created to do in the world. Um, and so it's so, I, I love getting to walk with women as sort of a friend and mm-hmm. um, a, a bit of a mentor, just helping us all have the great relationships with all of our people and with our God and with ourselves. Because when we do that, one, our lives are so much better and more fun, but also we're able to really do amazing things in the world as the very best versions of ourselves. I love that so much. And oh my gosh. And I know that um, everyone that listening in is going to love that too, because we usually talk a lot on Feminine Foresight about how to love your work, but huge components with the rest of your life and relationships as well. You know, if, you know, things aren't going well at home or with your friendships or you, you, like you said, you don't feel known or you don't feel understood, like you're not going to have satisfying work or you're going to feel all that stress from your work if you're not feeling understood there and bring it home and all that. So, yes, they're so I love good. that full kind of package view that you're working to serve. Oh, so, I love that. Oh, so good. So, okay. You do a lot of things with all that, with your writing and speaking, podcasting. So in a world of crazy job titles where everyone likes to be like a guru at something, right? what if you had to sum up everything, what would be your dream job title or your ultimate job title? In a word is so hard. Okay, well, it um, can be in a phrase, like well, director of. Or maybe, I mean, I think I probably, my favorite title would be like mentor or just really best friend. So chief, chief best friends. Chief maybe. best friend, man, that's good. That's, <laughs> that's maybe one of the best that I've heard. So far. <laughs> I mean, yeah, we'll go, we'll go chief best friends. I love it. Okay. So what came first? Like, what is the first thing they started working on now? You know, speaking to relationships with God, with others, significant others, work, everything. And you write and you speak and you podcast. So what was the first thing that you ever created or shared with the world in your platform? Oh man. Okay. So really this whole thing started, it started a long time ago in the fact that I was a broadcast journalism major in college. And, um, I, you know, worked for different news outlets. I, you know, wrote for different news outlets, um, did some TV work and that was sort of my background. But when I became a Christian, all of that changed because I had this deep heart for telling stories, but all of a sudden my story was different and I was different and I was passionate about different things in the world. And, um, and so that all went out the window just conveniently like two months before graduation. No way. My parents were thrilled. <laughs> uh, and by thrilled, I mean, like, what did we just pay for? Right. Um, and so in, in the wake of that, two things happened. I ended up doing a summer um, mission trip to Ghana in West Africa. And I also ended up being offered an internship at my college ministry that I had recently gotten involved in. Um, oh, when I was in Ghana, something really important happened. I had just, I hadn't started this internship yet. I just let go of my dreams for my life. 
And I'm, I'm laying there one night thinking, God, what in the world am I supposed to do with my life? Like what now? I, I have no plan. Right. And you know, I just graduated and I have no plan. That's exactly where everyone hopes they're going to be at 22. And all of a sudden this idea popped in my head and it was write a book called the lipstick gospel and tell women just like you, what I've done in your life so that they can know what I'm capable of doing in their life as well. Okay. So how did you respond when that thought came to your mind? Was that something that was doable or was that Um, like insane? It was something I thought later. Like I thought, okay, well, so the first thing I did is I, you know, we didn't have electricity where I was staying. And so I grabbed my little headlamp and my journal and just scribbled down everything I could think of. So I still have that journal, which is really fun. Oh man, special. The name and yeah, all the things. Um, so, I mean, that was just this sort of idea that I thought it was in the back of my head. And I thought, you know, I'll do that, um, years from now, you know, maybe when I'm like 40, I'll write because it's sort of, it's a memoir and like, no one needs a memoir from someone who's like 23. Um, now what I say is it's a travel memoir of a season, which I oh, think good. is much more um, palatable for, for yes. everybody. I know. I think I've seen, I've seen a lot of like gifts and memes on the internet of like, if you, if you think you need to write a memoir and you're 23, you better have had a lot of bad stuff happen to you. Like, and I'm like, oh, ooh. yeah. Like, and it's different because it's, you know, I know a lot of people who are writers and stuff. Right. So I'm like, no, there's, there's a lot of people who can be that young and have something very important, important and, yeah. and, um, well thought through and targeted and all that stuff. Well, so anyways, that's it, funny. I think you have to like know your place. You have to know, I've been through this. You know, we, when we are going to help someone through something, I think a lot of times we think we need to be able to help them from A to Z. We need mm-hmm. to be their therapist, their doctor, their personal trainer, their life coach, their everything yeah. and fix them until they are perfect and done and like put a bow on it. But really, I think, you know, we're all walking through journeys in our mm-hmm. lives. And I think once we've completed sort of a leg of the journey, we've learned a lot about that leg. So we can turn around and, and help the women who are just a couple steps behind us through that leg. And that doesn't mean we have to have the answers for everything. It just means, hey, if you've been through a really nasty breakup and you survived it and you thrived after it, teach someone behind you how to do that. Or if you've gone through infertility, like walk with a woman who's currently going through infertility, like, you know, whatever your thing is, if you've been through something, you have the authority to speak about it. So, but That's don't so like, good. don't like make it grander, you know, as way to you don't have all the answers. You don't need to speak to everything about life and yes. love and yes. happiness, but you can tell your story and help yes. people. Yes. yes. I think that's so good too. Also for knowing yourself, whenever I'm looking for something, I know I do like learning from somebody that's just like two steps ahead of me or something because I feel like confident that I will actually be able to apply that yes. as opposed to going to the person that's at me and like, you know, has finished their life and everything. And it's, my husband always talks about this. He is a big football fan and he says that the players who are naturally amazing at everything make terrible coaches because they're like, I don't know, just mm. like throw the ball perfectly. And I mean, that's not tech. I mean, of course they have to learn technique and stuff, but they can't teach it really because it just came so naturally to them. Whereas the players who had to really, really, really work, who were not as naturally gifted, they make really good coaches because they've walked that path. And so I think, you know, maybe like That's seek good. out someone who, who's really struggled and made it through because <laughs> you go, ha, ah, you've learned how to do <laughs> yes. this. I'll follow you. That's good. I have never heard that before, yeah. but I love that. Yeah. Yes. 
Wow. So I, I totally got off track. Okay. So I um, yes. heard, heard God say, you know, write the lipstick gospel and I put that on hold. So that next year, my job was working at this college ministry and I was in charge of leading a small group of 27 sorority girls, which that's not a small group, by the way. I don't know how it got to be that large, but my whole job for that year was getting coffee with girls, was being their friend, was leading a small group on Sunday afternoons, um, was just being a mentor to them, being someone who was literally two steps ahead of them, who had just made all the mistakes they were currently making, you know, had just come out of, you know, a crazy college experience. Um, to be a mentor and a friend for them. And I just fell in love with it. I, I got to see the most amazing things happen in their lives. Like really not very much was it because of me. I just got to sort of be there. Mm-hmm. But then also in my life too, I just totally fell in love with what we're capable of being for each other as women and what life can look like when we do walk together. Um, and so how that turned into a blog is that that next year I, you know, I thought I was going to be in college ministry forever, but I got an offer I couldn't refuse. And that was to travel around the world for a year, um, doing humanitarian work, um, all over the world and getting to write about it as I did that. I had a blog while I did it. And I mean, you can't turn that down. So um, I started, I was devastated to leave these girls behind. I thought that that was the work I wanted to do forever. And I'm, and also I left journalism behind. So I'm like, don't give me a blog. I mean, I, I've, I just <laughs> gave up that dream. Don't right. give it back. Um, so I'm traveling and I'm, and I'm writing and I'm using all my journalism skills and I'm telling the stories of what is happening in me and in my life and what I'm learning along the way. And the craziest thing happened. People started to read it. And actually respond the way that those girls would respond when we were sitting across the table from each other at coffee. And I found myself with this blog as I traveled, getting to do really women's ministry, getting to invest in women and mentor women using my journalism skills. And it was all mixed together in just the coolest way. Um, and I, and really that's when I was like, okay, this, this is my thing. So I got home from the trip, started a blog, you know, started telling stories within, I think probably two years, I wrote the lipstick gospel. Um, and everything has sort of come since, you know, different books, my podcast, all those things have sort of fallen, followed, but really my online space is, is an online version of that small group. And the things that I've created have really come out of like what my, I call them my girls, even though they're like fully grown women. Um, I just, I don't know. (laughs) I just adore them. So it's, it's really like, what are my girls going through? What are they walking through? What do they need? Mm -hmm. And then I just try to meet the need the best I can. And that's where all my books and my courses and stuff have come from. Wow. I love that. I love that you saw when you started doing more of online, a lot of people think of like blogging. I keep making all this noise, (laughs) like blogging or writing as online marketing. And like, that's kind of how they perceive it first. And you saw as women's ministry in a way to really touch real lives through your words, which I love that. And I think that comes out so clearly in everything that you write too. So yeah, just thank you for writing that way and for perceiving it that way because it really is noticeable. Oh, I love that. Well, and you know, I I created my first online course probably in 2015. Okay. Um, So a while ago and online courses are like blowing up now and they're this Mm -hmm. whole thing. Um, I didn't try to do it because it was trendy or cool or because of anything. I just, I thought, how can, like, how how would I walk women through this topic if they were sitting in my living room? Mm. Okay. Well, my living room isn't quite big enough for this. Um, and no, not everyone lives here. And so how do I create that sort of environment in a way that I can capture and, and a video course was the best thing I could come up with. Um, and so that's always been the thing. It's like, in person, this would be a, this, how do I translate that online? 
And, um, like my podcast girls night, my husband was like, Steph, your favorite thing in the whole world is sitting down with the girlfriends and talking to her and just learning from each other and being in life together. He was like, bring a microphone and just record it. And <laughs> yes. Okay. That's exactly You're it. Like, so light bulb. Yes. That's amazing. Yes. yes. So cool. So I guess I, maybe this was your first course, was your first course on singleness and dating? Yes. Is that true? Yes. Okay. So I think that one's just like grilled into my brain because I remember that one as your first one. Um, but I still think you do, you still talk quite a bit to women as they're navigating dating or singleness and all of that. So yeah. as a married woman and having all of that, like how, why is that still a passion of yours? Do you think? I think that, gosh, it, it so is. It so is. And every mm-hmm. once in a while I get um, an email from someone that's like, you're married. Why do you care about this? Or why, <laughs> why should we listen to you about singleness? And I think that like, I, I think that one of my, maybe it's a bit of a curse also, but it's a gift. I think our gifts are always, yeah, it's two sides. They are. Um, two sides of the same coin. I have just a, a picture perfect memory of how I felt in different seasons. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, I remember being single so vividly. It feels like it was yesterday. And, um, dating and the different relationships and the different heartbreaks and the things I was wondering and the things I was worried about. And I just, I vividly remember the seasons that I've been through. And I think that really that's, that's the gift that, I don't know. I feel like that's, that's always kind of what I've known my, my call in life was, was to just pay attention as I learned something hard <laughs> and then walk with someone who's going through it after me. Um, and so that's, that's really how I feel about singleness. And I think there were, especially, um, in different, in, 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 not in every single area of the country, not in every single like social circle, mm-hmm. but especially in certain areas of the country and especially in certain social circles, being single is really hard. It's really, really hard. And you know, you're turning whatever age you thought you would be looking around, mm-hmm. wondering why your person isn't here. And then all the while watching everyone else find their person. Yes. And every time you open up Instagram or Facebook, it's like every, someone else is engaged. Someone else is engaged. Someone else is engaged. And at first you're okay with it because hopefully you really like your life and you're you right. know, doing living your life to the full. But then at some point you start to kind of panic. And depending on what your, you know, when your parents got married or what your siblings are doing or whatever, like that pressure can be just brutal and can set in really no matter what age you are. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I really remember feeling that way in my own life and, you know, watching a lot of my friends go through it. And um, the other thing is that, you know, I think that there are some ways that we're, that we sometimes handle our singleness and dating that are not helpful. And, and, and I did a lot of those, mm-hmm. but I also learned some things that were really helpful. So, um, you know, we, we can tend to put a lot of pressure on relationships thinking that like our life will be perfect once we're married. Right. Well, that's like just a crushing way to think about singleness and marriage. Um, and I spent a lot of time feeling that way and my life really changed. And actually my relationships changed when I stopped waiting for my life to begin and actually just started living my life and living it fully. That was one, it made that season of being single so much more fun and meaningful and rich and helped me grow into the person I was meant to be. Also, that was the reason I met my husband, the reason that we were in the right place at the right time to meet each other, the thing that caught his eye about me. And those same things have set us up really well for marriage. And mm-hmm. so that's the thing. It's like we can spend so much time waiting or feeling like our life isn't hasn't begun or feeling small or, um, you know, just getting caught in our heads or caught in our story about why hasn't this happened for me yet? When really, I think if we can kind of break out of that and really just live that season to the full, everything else happens so much more easily and so much more the way that we want it to. So I just learned a ton during that season and couldn't, 
couldn't keep yeah. it to myself. And it's still so, I can tell it just even with the passion that you talk about it, like I can tell you can so easily relate to women that are still in that season now. So what are the most common questions that you get from women that are in that stage? So like coming and seeking advice or seeking wisdom or just sharing kind of their struggles or what's working well, what do you hear the most? Um, gosh, my brain is full of a million things now because I talk about this so much. Um, I'm like, oh gosh, where do I start? Um, you know, I think one of the questions is one of the biggest questions is what part of this is my job and what part of it am I supposed to just be waiting on? And I think that, Mm. you know, everyone, everyone's perspective is different. You know, I come from like a Christian context, you know, a lot of my, the women who follow me are Christians. And so they're looking at God saying, God, where is my person? Why haven't you brought him to me yet? And they're just waiting. And there's a lot of rhetoric in the church about waiting on God, waiting on God to bring you your person. But the thing I realized in my own single life was what is that supposed to look like? Like, Waiting on someone. Does that mean that I'm like, in my comfy pants, like watching Netflix and ordering pizza. And just at some point, this guy's going to show up in my life. Well, if I'm not in a place where I could possibly even meet a member of the opposite sex, that's like even remotely my age, how in the world is this person going to show up in my life? Like either he's the pizza man or which would be terrible because like when you're watching your comfiest show, you haven't washed your hair in four days. You might be like, have like zit cream on. I mean, you, that's not your moment to meet your Prince Charming. And so I think that that's a real question is like, how much of this is God or fate or, you know, whatever your Mm -hmm. thing is, how much of this is just going to happen and how much do I have to participate? And I really think we need to participate a lot more than we think we do. It's the best way that I've ever, like the best analogy I've ever been able to find that feels the most true is um, applying for a job. We would never just expect a job to fall into our lives. That's good. Ever. You know? Like, I mean, every once in a while, all the right doors open for a job to Mm -hmm. come into your life, but you have already built up the skills. You have made connections. Like you, you've laid a lot of groundwork before you have people recommending you. So you've been social. You know people that, yes. No one just finds you like Mm -hmm. randomly. And a lot of times it's, yeah, you have to build up your skills. You have to practice whatever your thing is. You have to write a really good resume and a really good mm-hmm. cover letter. And you have to go to the interview and you have to network and all these different things. That's dating. That's getting, being the best version of yourself and putting yourself out there and practicing dating and meeting a lot of people and trying again after you fail. Like it takes effort. Um, and so I think that that's the most, that's the question I get the most is like, what part is up yeah. to me? What part is, am I just supposed to wait on? Um, and then kind of right after that is like, how do I meet a great guy? It seems like all the good ones are taken. Where are they? And really the answer is kind of the same. I think when we are living really full lives and we're doing all kinds of things and we're chasing passions and dreams and meeting friends and going getting involved in different communities, that's how we meet him. Or dating online, which is a whole thing that I'm, I'm pro online dating. Right. Oh, good. Great. Yes. yes. Shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode and providing us with samples. Friends, springtime is finally here, but that also means allergy season is in full swing. I have always struggled with allergies and I don't know about you, but I am especially allergic to cats. More on that in a second. Well, luckily for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin clear with Claritin D. 
Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so you can breathe better. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing, a runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. The time that I use Claritin the absolute most is when I'm at my parents' house, my childhood home. They have this absolutely beautiful cat that they love and I like, except for the fact that he sheds so much. So that means that I'm basically sneezing from the second I arrive home to the second I leave, unless I take Claritin. My dad has even started having it ready for me right when I walk in the door. Are you ready to live life as though you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. Claritin, thank you so much for sponsoring our girls' night. We love having you. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. As many of you know, I recently wrote a book, and while it was the most rewarding project of my career so far, it also came with a lot of hard work and long nights. And sometimes when things started to feel a little bit overwhelming, I needed to get a few things off my chest so I could clear my mind and keep the writing process flowing. And the thing that helped me so much to sort through those feelings was therapy. Now tell me if any of this sounds familiar. Maybe you're going through something really hard right now, a big loss or a gigantic life transition. Maybe you frequently feel anxious, depressed, overwhelmed, or just generally discouraged. Maybe you really, really, really want your life circumstances to change, but you don't know how to actually change them. Or maybe you're feeling stuck as you try to work through your past, navigate your present, or figure out your future. Friend, if you can relate to any of this, you're not alone. I've been there and therapy has been the thing that has helped me more than anything else with all of this. In the last 10 years or so, I've learned that strength isn't proving I can do it on my own. It's knowing that I don't have to. I'm at my strongest when I have a full support system around me and an essential part of my support system is therapy. Therapy can be absolutely life-changing. That is, if you can afford it and find a therapist you like and trust. But of course, this is easier said than done. And that's why I'm so excited to be partnering with this week's podcast sponsor. Our sponsor for today's episode is BetterHelp. BetterHelp is the easiest and most affordable way I've ever found to find a great therapist. It's entirely online and super easy to sign up. You can get started right away. And if you don't love the counselor you're paired with, switching is easy and it's free. If you're going through something hard in your relationships, or if you're in a funk you just can't shake, if you've been feeling anxious or depressed lately, or if you're feeling stressed and you need help balancing your everyday life and schedule, BetterHelp is an incredible resource for you. And I'm so thankful that they've given me a promo code that I can share with you to make it even easier to get started. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com friendship today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash friendship. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 
Six one since that matters. And what do I even say other than hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. I want to go back to your job analogy too, because one of the other things that made me think of is how part of like the interview process in a job is you're also seeing if that company is a company that you want to go to. You don't take the first offer just because it's a job, you know, you might kind of like go back and forth. And so even though a company might look like amazing online and you might be like, my dreams will be made if I work here, you could interview and you could just get all the signals being like, this is not the best, you know? And so I love that too. Just to continue on too, that, that kind of happens when you're dating too. Like, even though you see someone, like if you're online dating or something and you're like, see their Tinder account and all their friends and whatever. I don't know. I've actually never used Tinder. I've just watched my sister use it. <laughs> um, but swiping. <laughs> exactly. Like, you know, somebody can look perfect, but yeah. Right. That doesn't mean that they're, you're perfect. And so. you, and you have to actually date to, yes, to, to know, know that. And it's okay if you do it multiple times with really great guys and they don't work out, you know? Right. Because so. I tell this to the women who take my course all the time. Our batting average when it comes to relationships is supposed to be, best case scenario, horrible. Because one yeah. out of however many men in the entire world is supposed to work out. Like one relationship. That's what we're hoping for, that it works once. So that means it's going to not work. Every a lot of times. Yeah. It's, it's a lot of trial and error. And I think that one of the biggest mistakes I see is really, I think we can put in the, in the, um, in an effort to be intentional, mm-hmm. you know, people want to date intentionally, especially as you get a little bit older, you just are not wanting to go on a thousand dates. You just want to do this already. Um, but I think in, in an effort to be intentional, we've inadvertently put way too much pressure on mm-hmm. dating. We think that we need to know if this person is our husband before we even go on a first date, which how in the actual world are you supposed to know that? Like you just don't know that. You don't know their middle name or how many siblings they have or if they drink coffee and what their coffee order is. You don't know anything about them. How in the world are you supposed to know this is your person? You have to go on dates and you have to just, you know, you have to have the interview. You have yeah. to just get to know the person and try it in order to find out if this is something you want to keep walking forward with. Um, but I think we put so much pressure on dating thinking like, you know, I want to do this intentionally. I should know something before I say yes. When really how you know something is by saying yes. Yeah. You know, going on the first couple of dates. If t- after two dates, you think this isn't really my person. Awesome. Move on. Next right. One. But yeah, I think we, I think we feel shame when we've dated a lot or we feel like we need to do it perfectly somehow. And I, I can't think of a mm-hmm. single thing in the world where we're trying something new and, and the expectation is that we're going to do it perfectly the very first time. Right. Like how, how you have to practice, you have to try it. I mean, it's, yeah. and also that pressure is, is crushing for you. You're not going to try if you feel like you have to get it perfect the very mm-hmm. first time, or you're going to crush the relationship by having so much pressure on that first date. Like, are you my husband? Ooh. I know. I know right? <laughs> it's, a, it's a lot of pressure. That is. That Takes is. all the fun out of it. Yeah, man, that's good. So you shared a little bit of your story about when you became a Christian in college and kind of how that changed your professional uh, ambitions and kind of what you ended up doing with your work life. How did that change? Or when you became a Christian, how did your newfound faith like change your views on dating? Well, okay. This is kind of an intimate answer. I hope that's okay. Oh yeah, that's fine. 
guys, we're real friends now. (laughs) Um, Really, the biggest thing that it changed when it came to my relationships was it changed my views on sex. Um, Because I didn't grow up in the church or in any sort of faith context. And so, I mean, the, the message I was given when it comes to physical intimacy is like, be careful, be cautious, know that this is, you know, a tender thing to your heart. Like, don't throw that around, like, you know, be smart, be responsible. Um, and so those were all the things that I did. And, but quickly after becoming a Christian, I realized like, so I, I became a Christian and then really within a matter of days was like, Christians don't have sex, do they? (laughs) <laughs> or I mean, they, they do, but just the, the idea is that yeah. you sort of wait until you're married. And I was, I was with um, some girlfriends of mine who are amazing Christians and they were like, well, no. And, and I remember just having a thousand questions mm-hmm. as to why. And I mean, really like I did not need to cross that bridge right then. They were like, right. Steph, we can talk about this later. Um, you know, give yourself a minute to focus on other things. But I, I wanted to know really what I was getting myself into. And so they ended up sharing this sermon series with me um, from our church back home that goes through the book Song of Solomon in the Bible. And if for anyone who hasn't read it, it's like a steamy book. <laughs> it is graphic. Um, and it's all about sex and love and romance. And so this sermon series go through, goes through it. And really, it gave me this picture of what a relationship could look like mm. and what a relationship could look like that wasn't started out of a place of physical intimacy, but like right. got to end there. Like they got to be, um, instead of like, you know, we met at a party and then we like hooked up and then we kept doing that for a while. And then one of us decided, well, maybe we should date. Like that was sort of the love story. I was, I was living mm-hmm. and it was very normal with the people around me. And getting to hear what God's idea for sex and love and marriage was that it's, it's, you start getting to know each other and you respect each other and you build a relationship based on, you know, similar faith and based on your care for each other and based on the things you have in common and you start a relationship. And then the physical intimacy is on top of that. And I think that that, like the idea that the next time I had sex, which um, the idea that that could be with someone who had just married me in front of my family and my friends and in front of God and promised to love me forever, that that was the context that I could save this physical intimacy for. Mm-hmm. That was a way better love story than like the guy I hooked up with at a party. Um, and I just, that's awesome. I, I think that, you know, it just made so much sense to me. It just felt like this is a better story. This is safer for my heart, for my body, for my mm-hmm. future, for, I just, this is better. And so anyway, that was the biggest thing that changed. I decided like really quickly after becoming a Christian, I wasn't going to have sex again until I was married. And wow. I didn't. So that is beautiful. Oh, thanks. Yes. And I think too, like, it's so interesting because I did grow up in, uh, the Christian culture. So I was like, it was nailed into my head. You yes. didn't have sex. And what's so interesting, cause I've been, um, so my husband and I, we got married we got, I mean, so we started dating and got married, I think within a year and a half and it was all pretty quick, but that was like so normal mm-hmm. for our context because like you just, it was like, it was more of this mentality, like culturally of like, you better rush the marriage so you don't have sex, you know? Yeah. And that was like, not as beautiful as what you're explaining. <laughs> like, I'm like, I actually look back at it and I'm kind of like, I wish like, And when I say like culturally, I mean like really culturally, I don't just mean like my parents or anything. Like I had 
a lot of Christian influences that I was like getting advice from and stuff. But yeah, it was like, I feel like there was so much fear around this idea that you might have sex with somebody that there was not, I don't think always the most healthy, the most healthy discussions about like, why is it important? And Mm -hmm. also like, how can you build a really like life giving and mutually supportive relationship and all that. And I just think like the thing that my husband and I always like kind of laugh about now is like we, I graduated college and we were getting married like a month later. My husband was living in Arizona at that time because he left for grad school. So we'd been long distance or whatever. And like, I mean, I knew, like I knew I was supposed to marry him. Like I knew I wanted to marry him. I knew like God had something for me in Arizona, but also like I really didn't. And I was, we didn't even think that it was an opportunity, like a possibility that I could move to that city and figure out, am I supposed to be here? What am I going to do for work? Because we were like, if we're living in the city and no one knows us, everyone's going to think we're having sex. I think, you know, it's a really, I, I think this happens in a lot of different worlds and a lot of different cultures with a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. Something that was intended to be really good mm-hmm. is, is taken to an extreme or to a level or sort of twisted yeah. to where it's not what it was intended to be anymore. Like, I, I think we have this idea that if you have sex before you're married, God is going to hate you and he's going to hate your marriage and, yeah. and you're doomed and all these things. Like, none of those things are true. You're not trying to avoid eternal damnation by not having <laughs> sex. You're just trying to like protect your heart and your relationship and yeah. like, and do things well, you know, set yourself up for success. And, um, but I think, I mean, I think we do that with all kinds of things. Yes. Like I mean, we do it with dating. Like you want to be so intentional about dating. You don't want to waste your time or their time or mess around or whatever. And you make it so that you're terrified to go on a date. Well, okay. That wasn't the intention. It was don't like lead people on and, you know, like be, be care about people. Right. Um, that's, that's the heart of intentionality, but like, you know, I think we can, I think we do that. With I love that things. so much. Yes. That's yeah. Beautiful. Thank you for sharing all that. <laughs> yes, of course. So kind of like carrying on that note, just for like quick little bit, I guess, what do you think, or and maybe the sex is your answer, but like, is there something that you would say you find most beautiful about like the Christian view of dating and marriage? Um, I think it's like it's in not, contrast to not. Yeah. I, I think sex is definitely part of it. I think, um, I think that as believers, we have a really beautiful view of what marriage is and what it can be. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not, uh, it's, I mean, usually it's not, it's not like this is convenient or this is what you're supposed to do or whatever. It's like, we have hope for what marriage can be. Mm-hmm. And, and we want to find someone wonderful that we can share our life with. And, and we don't just want, I mean, a lot of times we don't, we don't just want someone who's going to like fulfill our every desire, or, you know, make us happy in all these ways. We want to do something good with this person. We want to build a really impactful life. We mm-hmm. want to grow with this person. And those are things I don't hear being talked about. There's just a, a real like heart for marriage that I think Christians have that, that the rest of the world is like pretty, I, I think, um, I don't know, disillusioned. Yeah. Yeah. Bye. That's good. Yeah. I like that building something in that really like believing that a marriage is something to is purposeful. And yeah. yeah. So I guess on the flip side, is there a something that you think that you encounter with like a lot of the women that you're like coaching or going through your courses and stuff that you kind of see as a consistent roadblock with the view that Christians have on dating and relationships? I think that it's totally the flip side to that same coin that because 
because we have such hope for marriage and because we revere it so much and we, we value it so highly, I think that we have a tendency to, to idolize it. Mm-hmm. Um, and we also have a tendency to make single members of our community feel really isolated and really left out. Marriage is not a fix all for your life. It is your life does not begin when you are married. If you are looking to a man or a woman to complete you, you are going to be deeply disappointed with marriage. Marriage itself is not disappointing, but it is if you think that they are going to make it so that you are never lonely, never insecure, never Mm -hmm. sad, never bored, never whatever. If you think that a person is going to be able to do that for you, you are going to be totally disappointed by marriage because it's, it's a relationship, not a magic cure. But then, you know, the other thing is you are also not lacking by not being married. It is not a mark of success in life, Mm. spiritual or otherwise. It is just a relationship. It is, it is a, it's an important one, but it's a relationship and it does not mean that you are lacking. I mean, you are not less than in any way because you're not married. And I think we do a really bad job of yeah. I think we make single people feel that way a lot. And it makes me really angry. So I'm sure. <laughs> yes. No, I, I believe that that's so important. Do you feel, so you moved to Nashville a handful of years ago. Did you feel like that was, there's a noticeable difference in how people talked about relationships and stuff between that and Denver? Yes and no. Um, I think that my context in both places was made different. It, well, made it so that it wasn't that different. Like I, you know, when I moved away from Denver, I had a really solid Christian community, mm-hmm. which wasn't the case for most of my, most of my life. But at the end I did. So, um, we were having, you know, the same conversations that, that I was having here. Also, I was, I did, I was married when I moved to Nashville or I, I mean, we got married like the weekend we moved to Nashville actually. <laughs> oh, it was really stressful. Um, That's insane. <laughs> it was insane. I don't recommend that. Um, but so, so I think that just the context was a little different. Okay. The thing that's, the thing that was really different is, um, how much people talk about their faith. It's like people uh, yeah. in the grocery store will say like, you know, where do you go to church? Or, I mean, like you, People, there are billboards for people like Beth Moore coming to speak or whatever here in Nashville or just in the South. In Colorado, if you talk to someone about your faith, like you, that's offensive like, because you are, because you are imposing your beliefs on someone else. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like, you know, becoming a Christian, I was at the University of Colorado in Boulder, which is like the most liberal place in the whole world. Um, I feel like my decision to become a Christian, I love that it happened there because I had to do it really intentionally. Yeah. Because I think that I could have become like decided that I was a unicorn and dyed my hair all kinds of colors and pierced everything on my body and decided to live in a tree. And people would have been like, Hey, you do you yeah, like good for you. But me saying like, I'm a Christian. I, you know, and reading my Bible in a coffee shop was like, no to that. So that's that very so interesting. <laughs> that's very different. Yeah. Okay. So, so in Nashville, I, so actually for everyone on the podcast right now, we are in Nashville. Yes, we're in Houston, yeah. which I feel like never gets out okay. of the podcast. Yeah. It's awesome. Um, I was here for a conference for the, the tribe conference, but I'm sticking around. So that's really fun. Yes. And I, the reason I wanted to stick around is because there are so many like writers and, um, speakers and just like creatives who are doing like, good like word work and like teaching work and everything like that. And it's just amazing to me. So, um, I was like, yeah, I want to stick around and see if I can maybe one day move here. Oh, I um, love that. Yes. So I'm curious, like how, what is that experience like for you being in this? Like, do you see it as a hub or do you just see it as normal because you've been here for a little bit? Um, I definitely see it as a hub and that was, 
you know, the whole process of us moving here was it's a totally long story, but that was part of it is, okay. is we did see that, especially for the work that I wanted to be doing as a writer and a speaker and a podcaster, well, podcasting wasn't really a thing yeah. when we moved here, but that we did see that this was a good place for that. The process of us moving here, when we moved to Nashville, this is, I talk a lot about friendship in my community and it's because when we moved to Nashville, I didn't know anybody here. And so I had to learn the hard way, how to make friends as an adult all over again, working from home. Like, I mean, I had no leg up, no family here, no nothing. I had to completely start over. And so, um, I think I really, it took me a while to really appreciate Nashville just because I was just plain lonely because I just didn't know anybody. But so it, it took me a while to really see the benefit of being here. Um, and just, it's a totally personal thing. It's like, that's not anyone else's story, right. I don't think, but I really do see it. And I, there are so many creative people here. There are so many people doing really good work. Um, my husband is in the creative industry also, and he works mm-hmm. at like a really awesome co-working space here where everyone is building something amazing. I love that. Um, yeah. It's fun because when we are other places and people ask us what our jobs are, we'll tell them and people will be like, it sounds like you don't have a job. <laughs> like, no, I mean, really, that's be- just because yeah. our lifestyle is very different from yeah. if you're in, I don't know, you know, pick a, pick a city where it's like very corporate. Yes. Um, our lives are so not that way. And then you're in Nashville and you're like, you know, we work from the road, we work from home, we travel, we're creative entrepreneurs. Everyone's like, yeah, cool. Me too. So yeah. It is, it's a really, really creative city and really fun to be here. I love that. Do you think, um, like, how do you take advantage of that? Like, I know you work from home, but like, how do you make sure or glean information from other people or those connections? What does that look like for you? Well, it's a little tricky because I'm like everybody else and I, and I don't love networking or small talk or thing. I, I think we all are that yes. way. Um, so anyone listening, if you're like, I hate going to conferences, I hate small talk. Me too. I think it really is keeping an eye out for the things that are happening in my, in my, like professional sphere mm-hmm. and getting over myself enough to go and attend them. That's um, good. So like an example is, um, there's, a like a podcasters, I don't know what they call it, like a, like club a meet or something. Yeah, yeah. Like a podcasters meetup, um, here in Nashville. And it's a pretty big one because there are lots of podcasters here and I've never been. And I, a girlfriend invited me though. And she's like, you know, let's, let's go to this. And so we packed up and we went and we stayed late and we talked to people and we introduced ourselves and, um, we just got to meet great people who are podcasting and it was really fun. And so I think, um, especially when Carl and I first moved here, I remember we went to all kinds of meetups that were super awkward and like, um, but I mean, we just were taking every opportunity mm-hmm. available to us and just trying to get over our discomfort and show up and be friendly and get people's numbers and follow up and go to coffee. And so I think it's just, it's been keeping an eye out for the things that are happening, which they're happening in every city. Yes. No matter what your career is, there's something in every city. Um, and just putting on your big girl pants and making yourself go and making yes. yourself talk to people or making yourself ask someone to coffee. Mm-hmm. Um, it, those things really pay off. Yeah, man, that's good. Yeah. I have only been in living in Albuquerque for I think five months now. Yeah. So, and having had moved to Tucson a couple of years ago too, like it's, it's starting to feel like normal now to like make new friends in a new city. But mm-hmm. I totally agree. It's like going to meetups and stuff like that's why those things exist. You yes. know, it's so that people can meet each other and find community on things that you already share some common ground yes. on. And then you find out like, Oh, and then this person actually has all these other interests that is like fascinating to you, but you have something in common. So yeah, that's good. 
So one of the things that I think everybody who is listening to this podcast can probably pick up on is your communication style is just very personal. It's very heartfelt. Um, how have you cultivated that online? Is that natural for you or is it something that you intentionally seek to make sure you have that interpersonal tone? Um, well, that's really sweet. I love that. Um, I think it's, I think it's both. Okay. We talked, you know, we've talked about how my heart for this was to recreate real life relation, not replace real life relationships, but just take the inspiration from things that we do in real life and, and, um, and create a space for them online. Um, take the, take what I can from a small group and, and use that as the inspiration for creating a course, Mm -hmm. um, things like that. And so I think I really, that's something I've always wanted to do. I, you know, I told you, I love my girls and I, I, every once in a while, someone I'll meet someone and they'll go, Stephanie, I know this is creepy, but I feel like we're already friends. And I'm like, that's not creepy to me, even though we've just met because I I was assuming we're friends too. So it's like, we're all just assuming we're friends. And so when I am writing to someone or when I'm writing an email or something, um, I'm just assuming we're all friends. And so I try to write things in that way, but I will say because work is what work is and because Mm -hmm. expectations are what they are. And because, I mean, every once in a while I'll lose that and I'll find myself writing in a way that's like how someone else told me I should write or how, you know, it's, I think we, we bend to pressure sometimes, or we, we find ourselves, you know, taking marketing advice really seriously. And all of a sudden we're writing like a robot or something. Um, I, I think it takes, it takes work for me to remember this is not like, yes, this is an email saying, Hey, you know, I have a new book out or something, but also I am writing this email to my friends, to my girls that I have to intentionally make sure I'm remembering yeah. that because it's easy, it's That's easy good. to lose along the way. So, and then I know also like a lot of people in marketing world are always like share behind the scenes, like share your personal stuff, share your personality, things like that, which is really good for relating to people. However, I'm curious, like, how do you, do you have any boundaries in place so that your personal life stays like your personal real life connections versus your online life? Yeah. Um, I think that it's less, and this may change over time. I think there are like small things like, um, just for safety reasons, like I don't show the front of my house and I don't <laughs> like give out my address. <laughs> I mean, things like there's like some basic internet safety. Uh-huh. Um, so those are, you know, hard boundaries, but I don't, I don't have a ton of like, I don't talk about this. I think I generally try to just, when I'm thinking about something, I try to check in with myself about how I feel about sharing it. Mm. Um, an example is that a couple of years ago, my, well, both of my, um, mom's parents passed away mm. and I was really close to them, especially to my grandma. She was like my third parent, just my favorite human. And I was so sad when it was happening that I just couldn't talk about it. And it wasn't that I didn't want people to know. I knew that my girls would be so sweet, would be praying for me, would be, you know, mm-hmm. sending me, sending me encouragement or cards or flowers or something like that. I knew they would be wonderful. I just couldn't, I was just so sad. I couldn't, I just couldn't put words to it. And I kept, I kind of kept trying and then I just decided I'm just not going to. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was just something that I just didn't feel like, I just don't have it. I just don't have it in me to share. Right. Um, this last summer, I went through a really, it was sort of when it, like the culmination of a really hard season of going through some anxiety and some depression. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, I didn't know how I was going to respond. I think sometimes my inclination would be to just go through something and kind of learn the lesson or, you know, get through it and then turn around and talk about it. That's kind of usually how I do things. 
But for whatever reason, I felt okay sharing about it. And I didn't share the details every day because again, I was just too sad to like write an insert. I just, just couldn't. Um, but I did talk about it a little bit just because I checked in with myself and felt like, you know, I'm okay talking about this in the moment. And I think that I think other people need to know that they're not alone. There's purpose in that. There was purpose in it for sure. When it comes to like, you know, keeping my personal life personal though, there are things that I don't share. And it's mostly because I just want to be in the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, an example is I don't talk about my husband, Carl very often. And you know, we don't do, there are couples that we see on Instagram that like are Instagramming their whole lives and right. you see yeah. them doing stories together all the time. And I don't really do a ton of that because one, Carl doesn't love it. Like he doesn't mind me talking about him. Um, he doesn't, he's really open to us sharing the stories and the lessons we've learned and stuff, but he just doesn't love being like, in the yeah. Thing. yeah. And, um, it's kind of a bummer. Like it's a bummer because he's hilarious <laughs> and so wise and so wonderful. And I mean, and I just like, don't like, just no one knows. <laughs> I know. You're like, if only the internet knew you. <laughs> I know. I'm like, oh my gosh, everyone would love you. But the thing is, you know, I found that, um, I, I was on vacation with some friends a while back and, um, we were all sitting there watching the sunset mm-hmm. on the beach and I, was trying to get the perfect Instagram Pinterest photo of all of us sitting on the beach. And by the time I had finished writing the caption, taking the photo, editing the photo and uploading it, I realized I totally missed the sunset. That's one of those moments that you're just like, whoa, this is a check. And so I think that that, that was a really huge lesson for me. Like, I don't want to miss the moments with Carl. Mm -hmm. I don't want to have my phone out when he's being hilarious because I just want to be with him when he's being hilarious. And you know, we, we were in Italy last week, which was amazing. And that's the perfect place to Instagram from when normally I'm like on my couch, which is not sexy. Um, being in Italy though would, would have been beautiful, but I knew if I have my phone out here, I'm going to miss it. And so I just haven't Instagrammed really anything from it. I just have my phone away. So so I think it's more like that. I don't want to miss my real life. I don't want to miss time with my real people. And so I just don't share as much because I'm just being present. Mm -hmm. Um, I tend to share things in hindsight because I just find that I have more perspective and I I've learned the lessons a little bit better and I'm more helpful, but really the biggest boundary is just sort of checking in with myself and being like, how do I feel about this? Do I feel like there's purpose in this and I should share or I want to share or do I feel like I should in a bad way? You know, it's just, it's, it's, and finding what works for you, which is awesome. I love that. And what works for you in different seasons. Like there are different seasons for everything, Mm -hmm. you know, seasons where you want to share more of something or less or you can just decide you don't want to talk about something and that's totally okay. Yeah. That's so good. <laughs> um, all right. So what are you most excited about that you're working on now? Oh, okay. Well, I kind of mentioned this to you before yes. and I haven't really told anybody about this. We are working on some new things for my little shop. Um, we're working on some t-shirts and some sweatshirts and some mugs. Um, and the heart of them is, you know, Christmas is coming up and I'm, you know, chief, what did we say? Chief friendship officer, yes. chief best friend, chief best friend, um, chief best friend. And I just, I always am looking for things to get for my people to just encourage them, to encourage women I meet, to remind my friends of who they are, to remember who I am and you know, how God's made me and that I'm worthy of love and yeah. brave and strong and all these things. 
I'm always looking for things like that. And I just have a hard time finding things I that say things that I like or believe in. Yeah. Um, so I, I, you know, I've I've not, I'm not a t-shirt maker. I've never made anything like this before, but my husband, Carl is a designer. So together we've been working together to create some things. And I have no idea if I have no idea who's going to want them, but I do. So (laughs) I'm so so excited to wear the shirts that I'm, that I'm making. So maybe friends will wear them too. Yes, they will. I'm excited. Cool. Okay. Yeah. So check those out. Come holiday shopping time, which is a lot sooner than I think it is. A lot sooner. I know. Uh, So speaking of that, where can people find you online to get involved with your journey if they are not already? Yes. Um, so the main place is my website. It's stephaniemaywilson.com. Um, or you can find me on Instagram. I'm at smaywilson. And from either of those places, it's sort of like a train depot, like the link to my podcast and my shop and my books and all those things are there. Because you're organized. You got it all covered from there. Now listen. I, before we got on here, I showed you my desktop. You of all people know that I'm not organized. Okay, that's true. <laughs> that's but true. You but have it organized where it needs to organized be organized. Online, yes. Yes. <laughs> Trying to not make anyone else as crazy as my desktop is. Oh, that's awesome. All right. Well, yes, go follow her, subscribe to her podcast, find her on Instagram because you will love everything that Stephanie publishes there. Oh, so, thank you. Yes. Thank you so much for being on the Feminine Foresight podcast. I enjoyed it. And I know that um, all of the women listening in enjoyed it too. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you for having me, friend. Friends, thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I cannot tell you how much it means to me to have you here at Girls' Night. Before you go, I would love it if you would do two quick things. The first is to subscribe. Subscribing to the podcast is the best way to make sure you never miss an episode. It's also a way easier way to listen because it's a way of sort of bookmarking the podcast. You never have to go looking for it again. Your app will just automatically download the next episode when a new one's released. The other thing is that it would mean so much to me if you would take a quick second to leave a rating and a review for the podcast. The way that iTunes knows to suggest the podcast to new people is by the ratings and the reviews. That's how we invite new friends to our girls' nights. So would you do me a huge favor and take one quick second to leave a rating and a quick comment about how you like the podcast so far? It would help us out so much. And I want to say a quick thank you to all of you who've already done this, who've already left those beautiful five-star reviews. They mean the world to me. Friends, that's all we have for today, but we'll be back next week with another episode of Girls' Night. And I have to tell you, you are going to love this one. Okay, see you then.